on this episode of the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast. To purge or not to purge? That is the question. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored, putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Bless His Heart. The name, Ken Williams. Welcome to the Great Swint Purge of 2006. Damn, this has been a hell of a two days. Starting yesterday with me telling four of my teachers that their certification issues have forced a transfer. Of the four I talked with, I'm happy to see three of them go. What a gift. Word on the street here is that, open quote, I could have done something to prevent this, close quote. Truth be told, that is correct. However, any decision made here to meet adult needs first would have been paid for by our kids. And I'm determined to do what's best for our kids. So it's true. I could have had them remain departmentalized and allow these folks to stay, even though they were warned apparently two years ago about their certification. Or I can arrange teachers, classes, and grade levels in a way that will help carry out our vision. Each staff member I talked with pretty much took it in stride, except for the first one. She was completely floored. And my guess is that the rest of them caught wind of why I wanted to meet, and their reactions were just different. I saw folks clustered in threes and fours, talking in closed classrooms. The vibe around the school was just different. And my assistant principal was again breaking his whole ass, looking for loopholes and ways to keep two of the four on board. To my surprise, he had no awareness of how all this looked. Helping two of the four who need to leave. I'm sure he isn't thrilled with this whole thing because between the coaches I talked with about having to move last week and uh, one of the four today, those three make up his biggest ace boom coons, his best friends on staff. The more closely I watch, the more I know the change is necessary and good. I have to admit that this whole process has had an effect on me as well. This is both stressful and draining. You know, I'm not back in my former district where I could have jobs filled within two days. With my number of vacancies growing on a daily basis, I very well may have openings when the two of the four of today get results back from the Praxis test, which is a certification uh, assessment. This would create a very awkward situation because even if the two pass, I would only offer a return to one of them. We got a lot to unpack here and, you know, reflecting on that time and reading this passage again and thinking about my talking points. Here's a conclusion I've come to. It is easy to uh, be all about what's best for kids until you have to make decisions that uh, are all about what's best for kids. And the, the most challenging ones are the ones that come up against, 
you know, the, the tug of war between what's best for students and adult comfort and convenience. And I'm, I'm really glad this one came up because I coach a lot of principals and sometimes I catch myself wondering if I'm being too tough on them because, you know, I'll, I'll get the uh, very indirect comment that's easier said than done. Well, that's really tough, Ken. You know, he's got a family and kids and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I, I get that. I understand that. We, we, we all do. But you, what leaders have to understand is that you serve not only students and parents and staff, but our, our mission is to ensure high levels of learning for all students. It's to provide students with the staff who will deliver on a, a world-class education. And who's got their protection in mind? You know, I, I've i said this before on the podcast, you know, the very core of my nature is that of a people pleaser. And leadership really pushed me to have to put that aside, put my ego aside. You know, you, your approval rating is going to take a hit. You know, mine did. I could hear the, you know, whispers around the school and, you know, the rumor mill. But um, I just, the things that would move me past my levels of discomfort is I would look at kids and say, who's defending them? Like, wh- what recourse do they have? And they don't have any recourse. You are the recourse. Like, you're the attorney representing students first and then also staff but what's best for students what's best for students has to come first and it was awkward as hell on a couple of levels one having to you know deliver the news to staff members that you know you found it's not necessarily a loophole but my sense was it was a an a certification issue that if principals advocated for continuing with that issue or in my case continue to have grade levels completely departmentalized so that you weren't teaching in those areas where you were not certified then you can get away with it and clearly that's what was happening at the school they were getting away with it and I used it I used it to move people out and they were right I did know you know because my <laughs> My AP was quick to tell me that, you know, if you do this, then they can stay. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that because I want their asses to go. So you have to look for those opportunities. You know, sometimes those opportunities come up through, you know, putting pen to paper. Sometimes they come up because the culture gets too hot and it's clearly moving in a direction that um, is counter to where people want to go. And then sometimes you get a gift like I got here. It was just, man. Those, uh, that certification stuff, man, just fell into my lap and I'm grateful for it. Another issue I think about reading this and then I'm thinking about past episodes is the real challenge when the co-leaders, you know, my colleague Brian Butler used to talk about how he regarded his assistant principals as co-principals. You know, he was kind of getting coached up for the principalship. But whether they're, you know, you regard them as co-principals or assistant principals, like you're sharing leadership at the school and are you rowing in the same direction? And I, can, you know, I read these passages and the, some of the stories are just comical. It's just ridiculous. It'd make it for a reality show that probably wouldn't get picked up. But at the time, it was really damn frustrating. It was frustrating to feel like, and, and here's the thing. You know, 
I know we, you know, we've all worked with people who, you know, don't have the best intentions in mind. But my AP here is the sweetest guy on earth. And literally no awareness of this conflict of interest and how he and I were not on the same page. And just like students can pick up, you know, on those kinds of issues, staff can pick up on it as well. And they were playing a lot of mommy, well, daddy versus daddy, I guess, you know, on staff. And I understand that. But the fact that he's aware that I've informed four of them that they are going to be placed on the transfer list. And then he's behind the scenes busting his ass to try to save two of them. One of the two, his, you know, one of his three best friends on staff. Four, but one wasn't in danger of certification issues. You know, that those kinds of things have to be addressed. And if you listen to past episodes, you know that I've addressed this issue before um, about us rowing in the same direction. And it, and it still continued, you know. So <laughs> you can probably guess that uh, at this point or soon after, I came to the realization that uh, somehow, some way, someday, he got to go. That we're not going to be able to work together. You know, it never got nasty. It never got contentious. I just realized that he just does not have the awareness to, you know, he's way too caught up in the adult relationships. And I understand that because the school had devolved into clearly honoring adult issues first and student issue second, which brings me to my last talking point. And that is, and I say this to my audiences all the time, uh, you know, the mantra there when I got there was, we love our babies. We love our babies. And sure enough, um, we gave them two hots. I mean, two hots as in two hot meals. Um, We keep the cafeteria open a little longer if kids straggled in late. You know, we have very few kids like going hungry. There's a closet inside our office that was just piled up with lost and found clothes and clothes that had been, you know, volunteered by some of our staff members who had kids at home and grown out of the clothes. You know, if kids came to school half-dressed or tattered or clothes were ill-fitting, we had clothes for them. And so it wasn't an abusive environment, like negative and mean, but it was clearly adult first, one. And two, there was really no school-wide emphasis on improving academics so my point is like relational excellence isn't enough you know my folks for the most part were relational we had a lot of yelling and hollering and stuff like that but by and large students were cared for but that's not enough if you're not leveraging relationships and leveraging um a connection with students in the service of moving learning forward then we're doing them a disservice is death by sweet and low and my school was rife with that rife with death by sweet and low pobrecito and kids to death bless your heart and them to death right and that is in my mind one of the most insidious forms of low expectations because unlike bias unlike prejudice unlike racism unlike just out and out mean ass people relational caring and isolation looks to be couched in love 
and that is hard to detect sometimes. But when you juxtapose the relational part of your culture with the lack of achievement, you got a problem. And 90% of the time, if you don't pay attention to it, all the reasoning for your problem is going to be uh, rationalized by issues outside your building, which is another problem. So you got to own this thing. You got to own every bit of it, warts and all. And I came from a pretty high performing school district with lots of resources and lots of support. And I walked into this shit show and as tough as it was, I had to own it. So principles, you got to make, you got to be able to make tough decisions. I'm, I'm kind of circling back to this first point because I think it's important. You know, you, you've got to, you've got to be able to make hard decisions. It's one of the things I love. I love sports and I was watching some ESPN show years ago and they were profiling legendary uh, San Francisco 49ers head coach Bill Walsh who if you just look at pictures of Bill Walsh he's clean shaven um, he just looks like like anybody's uncle but man they had a ton of former NFL players Hall of Famers who said man one quality about Bill was that he was he was willing to make the tough decision and a lot of those decisions were letting players know uh, you done or you're shot, or your skills have diminished to the point where I think you should retire. And, he, and several of those great former great players said that they like bucked him and were like, "No, we, we're not going to retire." And they and they, I love that they were willing to admit that they hang on one more year and they they had a terrible year, or you know, that their skills like falling off a cliff like came really quickly. That that Bill was right, but but more importantly than that, he was willing to make those tough decisions, have those tough conversations. And this is America, man. This is America. And if if folks have to find a new job, if they have to change careers, if they've got to change schools in the service of you having a culture that is best for kids, that keeps student learning first. Your students have who have no one to turn to when they're subpar instruction and shitty treatment. Like, you are the guardian of that gate. And I know it's tough, and I know it's easier said than done. But you must say it, and it must be done. I got a book coming, baby. My first solo author published book, Ruthless Equity. Disrupting the Status Quo and Ensuring Learning for All Students will be out in December of 2021. Go to RuthlessEquity.com to find out more. That's RuthlessEquity.com. On the next episode of the Unfolded Soul, Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast. You know what? This purge is happening, but sometimes, I mean, it's not all fun and games. Sometimes the purging hurts. Like my, sometimes my feelings got hurt. You've been listening to the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit unfoldthesoul.com. <laughs>